All right, let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, please. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I was really struggling with what to even call or name the title of the, uh, the message that I'm about to preach today. Um, the only thing that I could think of was the uneasiness of grace. The uneasiness of grace. All right, the uneasiness of grace. I don't even know if uneasiness is a word, uh, but if it is not, it is today. All right, it is today. The uneasiness of grace, because I don't, I, I just don't know how else to put it. Um, because we all love the grace of God, and and when we hear about the grace of God, we are in awe of God's grace. But at the same time, when you hear about grace, uh, it leaves you a little bit uneasy. If you're really honest, if you really start digging in and see how God does certain things, it just leaves you a bit uneasy. And we're going to deal with some of that uneasiness today. All right. First Timothy chapter one. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. All right. First Timothy chapter one. And uh, let's start from verse one. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. As always, we're once again seeing that uh, uh, Paul is, is, is cognizant about what is happening in the churches. He's cognizant about what is being taught, what is being preached, and he's also making sure that people are, uh, uh, that, that, that his disciples, so to speak, that his spiritual sons are preaching the right message and that the people are hearing the right message. So that's what we see uh, Paul telling Timothy here, verse 5. Now here's, here's where we get into the, uh, the real uh, uh, portion of Scripture. He, he says, now the purpose of the commandment, all right? Now, you can, the other way of saying it is that when he says the commandment, he's talking about the, the commandment by which we live as Christians, okay? So he's saying, now the purpose of the commandment is love. Everyone say love. love. He says, now, if he just stopped there, it would not be a problem. But then he says, the, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart and a good conscience. Now, that's where the problem is. See, if, I can, if, if, if somebody says, hey, you need to just love your sister. You need to love your sibling, right? Every, every parent has at some point said that to you. All right. If you had if you had a fight with your sister, fight with your brother, and 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 at some point the brother or, or the mother or the father will step in and say, "Hey, that's your brother. You need to love your brother. You need to love your sister." And and in that moment, yes, you might stop fighting, and yes, you might uh, uh, give a hug, and 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 I do this with my daughters when they start fighting, and I say, "Hey, stop it," and, and give each other a hug, tell each other that you love them, and give, kiss each other. Right now, in that moment. They follow my actions, but that doesn't mean it came from a pure heart. But he says, Paul is saying, the issue is not just the outward action. Now Paul says, the commandment is that we ought to walk in love from a pure heart and a good conscience. Now that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to deal with. 
And then he says, and from sincere faith. In other words, what he's saying is, when you boil down the Christian faith, what does it really boil down to? Pastor, we have the Bible, there's so many messages being taught, so many things that we need to think about. But when you really boil down the Christian faith, what is it about? How do I live my life? You live it out of love, and you live it by faith. It boils down to love and faith. The Christian life, the Christian walk, boils, always boils down to your love walk and your faith walk. All right? Now, he then goes on to say, from which some have strayed, some have turned aside to idle talk. So obviously he's saying, we know this, but certain people have strayed away from this. They're not living this out. Then he says, Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Now that's a problem. So he's saying there are certain people who are teaching the word of God. He's saying there are certain people who are teaching and preaching, but then he says they're teachers of the law, but they're uh, um, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. So he's saying people are teaching from the law, but they really don't even understand the law themselves. And that's a problem. Okay? Now, go with me to verse 8. It says, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law was not made for righteous person, for a righteous person, but for the lawless, insubordinate, for the ungodly, and for sinners, for the unholy and uh, profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for uh, um, fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for uh, uh, perjurers, for... And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. All right? Now go back to verse 9, because here he says, knowing this... That the law was not made for the righteous person. Now, how many righteous people do we have in this place? Raise your hand if you're a righteous person. Come on, I said, raise your hand if you're a righteous person. All right, I see certain people raising hands, certain people not raising hands, all right? So let me just quickly lay this foundation again so that we are all on the same page before I move any further. If you're a person who has placed your faith in Christ Jesus, you are a righteous person. Okay? This is foundational. You are a righteous person. Once you believe in Christ Jesus, once you place your faith in Christ Jesus, your good works don't make you righteous. Your faith in Christ Jesus and His works make you righteous. And therefore, you are righteous. Now, here, Paul is saying that the law was not made for the righteous person. Which means we can look at that and say, okay, so the law was not made for me. But the question is, what law is he talking about here? What law is he talking about? Because when we talk about law from a new covenant perspective, the first thing that comes to our mind is, number one, the Ten Commandments. Okay, that's what, as soon as we talk about the law, every Christian, uh, uh, the first thing that comes to their mind is that are, are the Ten Commandments. Why? Because we've been taught our Ten Commandments from the, uh, the time we were little kids, all right, if you grew up in church. So we think about the Ten Commandments. 
Right? Then, if you have a, a better understanding of the law, you understand that the, uh, the law that came by Moses was not just the Ten Commandments, but over 600 plus commandments that came by the law of Moses. All right? Now, let's keep going here. Now, so he says, what law are we, we need to understand what law is he talking about? Now, if the law is not for us, since we are righteous... Does that mean we can do everything and anything that the world has to offer us? Because every time we talk about grace, and this is kind of where we left off last week, because every time we talk about grace, then the immediate backlash or the immediate question is, well, well, does that mean I can do this? Does this mean I can do that? Does this mean I don't have any consequences to certain worldly actions or sinful actions that I do in my life? All right? Now keep that to one side and go with me to Romans chapter 2, please. Romans chapter 2. We'll come back to Timothy a little later. Romans chapter 2. See, from just by understanding the, the gospel of Jesus, uh, the gospel of grace and, and the new covenant, we understand very clearly that the only way to eternal life, the, to, the only way to the eternal life of God is by the full adherence and obedience to the law of God. Right? We, we, we understand that. Even when you think about uh, the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, he says, what does he ask for? He asks for eternal life. He came to the right source. He asks the right question, a very important question to ask. And when he asks the question, the, the response that Jesus has is he says, you already know. What did he know? He knew that eternal life would be granted to him if he kept the law. He knew that. So he says, and, 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 and the response that the rich young ruler has is, master, I've, I've done this. I've kept the law. Since my youth, I've, I've, I've lived a perfect life, so to speak, he says. And Jesus says, okay, there's one thing that you lack. How many things? Now, that's very impressive. That's very impressive. To only lack one thing. So, in other words, he's, he's on the way to getting eternal life. He's, 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 it's like playing a video game, and you, if you, you've accomplished all the levels. You've come to the final level. You're about to finish the game. There's only one level you've got to finish. And Jesus says, there's only one thing you lack. And he fails. He walks away. He does not leave the place with eternal life, but he leaves the place without. Meaning, just by you adhering to most of the law does not get you eternal life. You break, James lets us know, you break one law, you've broken the whole thing. So just adhering or saying, oh God, I am doing my best. Doing your best will not matter. Doing your best will not count when it really needs to count. Okay, now with that in mind, go to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 and starting from verse 6. He says, he will judge everyone according to what they have done. He, he uh, uh, talking about God here. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. Verse 7. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing, uh, sorry, who keep on doing good. Seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. 
So who will get eternal life? The ones who keep on doing good. Now, in the context of this entire chapter, if you read it, he, you, you'll understand when he's saying, uh, or when he's talking about doing good, he's talking about keeping the law. Okay, so here he says, there was a way to get eternal life even in the Old Covenant. The way to get eternal life in the Old Covenant is you keep the law, but here's the catch. You keep it perfectly. You obey it 100%. You don't mess up in any shape or form. Now, verse um, 8. He says, but he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead of instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also to the Gentile. In other words, what he's saying is, if you keep the law perfectly, you can get eternal life. But then, if you are not keeping the law, or if you are living for your own flesh, if you're living according to the things of this world, and if you're doing things just because you feel like you want to do those things, he says, then if for those people, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile, meaning Jewish people and the rest of the world, it's going to be the same outcome. It is you're going to be judged. That's what's going to happen. Then he goes on to say, there will be trouble and calamity. Okay, verse 10. Um, but there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good. Again, in context, do good meaning keeping the law here. Okay? For the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Now, when it comes to the law, here's something we need to understand. The question of keeping the law is a yes or no answer. It's not please explain. It's not an essay answer. When, when, when you're standing before God, it's not like, okay, in your life, have you kept the law? And it's not like, okay, Jesus, uh, you know, God the Father, please, you know, I'm, I'm, give me five minutes, I'll explain. You know, when I started off, it was really good. I used to go to Sunday school, and I was my favorite, uh, I was the favorite student for my Sunday school teacher. And then, no, 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 there's no explanation. There's no time for storytelling. There's no time for excuses. It's simply, yes or no. And that's something we need to understand about keeping the law. It's not about explaining your stuff away. It's not about giving reasons as to why you did certain things that were good and why you were not able to do certain things. It's, have you kept it or have you not? Yes or no? That's it. Okay? Now, verse 12. So that's why, again, even with the rich young ruler, it was either yes or no. He kept m almost everything, and then Jesus says one thing, and he misses out on the whole thing. The one thing misses out on the whole thing. Okay? Verse 12. He says, When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they have never had God's written law. If, you're if, if you have a physical Bible, that, circle that word, written law. Now this is important. We're going to get a little technical here for a few minutes, but just, just stay with me. This will really help you. All right? Now, he says, they, the, and when you read verse 12, it's like, when the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. Now, that almost seems unfair, isn't it? God, you didn't even tell them, but when they go against it, you're going to destroy them? Why? How? How does that 
mesh with the grace of God? How does that even, how, how can you put that and the love of God together? Makes no sense. Look what he says. And the Jews who do not have God's law, sorry, who do have God's law, will be judged by the law when they fail to obey it. Okay, that makes sense because they have the law. So they at least know what they should and should not do. But for the Gentiles, he says, even though they don't have God's written law, they will be destroyed. All right, verse 13. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. Now understand, he's writing and he's explaining the gospel in the book of Romans. So now he's saying, when it's not just about hearing the law, it is about obeying the law that makes you right in God's sight. However, we have a big problem. The big problem is no one can adhere to the law of God, which means no one can ever be made right in God's sight. No one can be made right in God's sight by the law. Now, where was I? Verse... Okay, yeah, verse 13. Um, verse 14 now. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it even without having heard it. Now, you're getting to uh, see a little bit of explanation for why Paul said what he said in verse 12. What he's saying now is, even though the Gentiles, the rest of the world, only the Jewish people had the written law, all right? But for the rest of the world, he says, we know, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law, show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. Verse 15, they demonstrate that God's law, underline or circle that part, you circled written law, now it says God's law. They demonstrate that God's law is written on their or in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they are doing right. Now, when it talks about that the Gentiles also have this law written on the inside of them, he is not talking about the Mosaic law per se. He is talking about God's law. Now, the Mosaic law includes God's law in it, but does not stop with God's law. The Mosaic law has certain elements or the essentials of God's law included in the, in the Mosaic law, but then there is an additional couple of hundreds of commandments. Now, for example, uh, uh, the, the uh, Mosaic law might tell you that you are not supposed to eat uh, crabs or that you're not supposed to have pork, right? Now, that law is not written on people's hearts. It's not written on the hearts of the Gentiles. You know what is written? Thou shalt not murder. That is written. You know why? Because that's an essential part of the law that came by Moses. So for the most part, the Ten Commandments that we think about, that is the essential part of the law of Moses. And so thou shalt not lie, don't steal, don't murder, don't bear false witness. 
all of these things, we instinctively know that when we go against it, that we're breaking something. We instinctively, you did not know the Ten Commandments, or you don't have to be taught the Ten Commandments to know that this is wrong. That's why you can be born in an, on an island, you can be born into a Hindu family, Muslim family, Buddhist family, Jain family, doesn't matter. You know these things are wrong. You know them. And what Paul is saying is, we know that these things are wrong because God has already written these things on the inside of us. This does not come by the Mosaic law, but he says this comes by the law of God himself. All right? Now, go with me to 1 Corinthians, please. First Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9. And let's pick up at verse 19. He says, even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jew to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring, bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. Now, here's what he's saying. So I'm with a bunch of Jewish people, so they don't eat pork. So guess what? I don't eat pork around them. He says, but then there's a party going on with my Gentile friends. And when I'm partying with my Gentile friends and they have a nice barbecue, guess what? I'm not condemning them if they're eating pork. I join them and I have some pork along with them. Why? Because this, he says, came by the law of Moses. And based on the law that came by Moses, they follow that tradition. They follow the custom and they say, no pork. And everyone in the Jewish uh, uh, nation follows that. But then he says, when I come to the Gentiles, they don't have a problem with that. They have some. And guess what? I have some along with them. Now, here's the important part. Verse 21, again, he says, uh, um, when I'm with the Gentiles when, uh, who do not follow the Jewish law, I to live apart from, the, from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Now circle that part. Underline that part. Highlight that part. He says, when I'm with the Jews, hey, I am not under any kind of law. Look, look at how he starts off. He says, even though I'm a free man with no master... Paul says, there's, there's, there's no law on my life. I'm a free man. I'm a man who is made in the image of God. Not only am I made in the image of God, he says, I place my faith in Christ. I'm a new creation. He says, I am not under bondage to any kind of law. But then he says, but then I'm a slave to all. Why? Choice. Choice. He says, I've chosen to become a slave for all. Why? So that I might gain them to Christ. So that I might reconcile them back to the Father. So he says, when I'm with the Jewish community, no pork whatsoever. When I'm with my Gentile community, it's bring in the pork. 
okay? But then he says, whether I'm with the Jewish community, whether I'm with the Gentile community, here's something I don't forget. He says, but I do not ignore the law of God. Now remember, here's something you need to pay attention. He did not say, for I am under the law of God. He said, I don't ignore it. He didn't say, I'm under it. He says, I don't ignore it. Why? Choice. He says, I don't ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Now, we're, we're, we're being introduced to new kinds of laws now. It's the law of God, law of Christ, the Mosaic law. All right? Then, verse 22, he says, When I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weakness for what I want to bring the weak to Christ. Uh, for, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save them. Amen. Now, what is the law of God and what is the law of Christ? What is the law of God and what is the law of Christ? All right, we'll get to that. All right. Now, we understand this. The knowledge of sin came by the law. The Bible lets us know that, right? The knowledge of sin came by the law. Hey, don't do this, and guess what? We did it, and that's how we know, okay, we sinned. The knowledge of sin came by the law. The question is, what law? By what law did the knowledge of sin come? See, and again, for, for the most part, we immediately think the Ten Commandments. We immediately think, okay, it's the, it's the uh, uh, 600 plus commandments that came by the law of Moses. The law came by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus. We've heard that. And so immediately we think, okay, it's because of those 10 commandments, it's because of the law that came by Moses, we're aware of sin. Is that really the case though? Because I can read in my Bible a bunch of different instances before Moses was even born where people are talking about sin. Where people are actually saying, hey, 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 I don't want to sin. Where people are saying, hey, I can't sin this. I, I can't do this against God. What's happening here? How is it that they know or have consciousness of sin? For example, uh, uh, we see the life of uh, Joseph. Joseph is sold into slavery. He's in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife has feelings for Joseph? And guess what happens? His response to that in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 9, this is what he says. He says, there is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. He's talking about part, uh, uh, um, uh, Pharaoh. Uh, um, and, and then he says, um, because you, uh, uh, part of his wife, uh, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and... Sin against God. Now, this is even before the Israelites became slaves in the nation of Egypt. Moses did not even show up until they became slaves and until he was supposed to be the deliverer for the people to be out of Egypt. Then he was going to bring them out of Egypt. And after he comes out of Egypt, then Mount Sinai happens and then the law is introduced. So this is way before that, and Joseph says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He doesn't say sin against my master. Sin against God. 
This happens even in the case of uh, uh, Abraham. Abraham lies about his wife. His son Isaac also lies about his wife. And Abimelech shows up and, and he, uh, 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 Isaac tells Abimelech, hey, this is my sister. And for a while, they keep thinking that, okay, sister. All of a sudden, one day, Abimelech sees that, that uh, Isaac is being affectionate. And he's saying, wait a minute. Something's not right. He says, you've obviously lied to me, he says. This isn't your sister. And then he goes on to say, why did you do this? You would have brought great guilt upon me and my people. Wait a minute. Why guilt? What are you guilty about? You're not even a, 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 a person from the family of Abraham. You're worshiping false gods. You're not even in the biblical history and story. Why are you going to have guilt about sleeping with somebody else's, even if she is the wife? He's a king, remember? He can do what he wants. And yet he says, wait a minute, this woman is your wife. I can't. Then he, he makes a decree to his people. He says, if anyone touches this man or his wife, he will surely be put to death. I, I believe it's in Genesis 26. So where is this concept of sin coming from? Okay. Now, uh, uh, um, if you're taking notes, write this down. Let's start off with the law of God. Okay, the law of God. Now, the Bible says that the law of God is written on our hearts. All right. So the law of God is written on your heart. Now, to how many people is the law of God written? Everybody. Everywhere. Okay? The law of God is written on your heart. It is also the essential part of the law of Moses. It's also the essential part of the law of Moses. And guess what? It is for all people for all time. So it doesn't matter if you're born in India, Africa, uh, uh, Australia, Europe, it doesn't matter. It's written on your heart and it's for all people for all time. It's also a part of the essential part of the law that came by Moses. All right, let's do, look at number two, the law of Moses. The law that, is, uh, uh, th that most people know about, all right, the law that came by Moses. We know it is over 600 plus commandments, not just 10 commandments. It had everything to do with what kind of clothes you wore, what kind of work you did, when you did. I mean, it talked about bodily function. It talked about everything. Everything. Okay? So, 600 plus commandments. But here's the key. Here's, don't forget this. It is for a small group of people for a short period of time. The law that came by Moses was not for the world. The law that came by Moses was not for the world. The law that came by Moses was for the Jewish people. So it was for a small group of people for a short period of time. And I'm going to show that to you in Scripture. It's not meant for all of eternity. It's not meant for all of time. Okay? Number three, the laws of men. The laws of men. These are the religious laws. Now, this is only applicable to those that follow that particular religion. So, if I'm a Muslim, I don't eat pork. 
Uh, but for everyone else who wants to, doesn't apply. It's a law you don't follow, right? Uh, they might have, uh, 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 um, you know, most Muslims pray five times a day. That's applicable if you're a Muslim. If you're not, not applicable. Christians tithe, all right, or Christians do certain things. It's only for the Christians. It's not applicable for everyone else. If you're a Hindu, there might be certain things that you do. Or if you're a Brahmin, you don't eat certain things. Only applicable if you follow that religion. Not applicable for everyone else. But there are certain laws that came by man and through religious means. Then you go uh, the laws of nature or the laws of the universe. All right, the laws of nature or the laws of uh, the, the universe. Again, this is for all people for all time. Doesn't matter where you're born, doesn't matter the color of your skin, these laws always work. The example is the law of gravity, right? The law of flight, the law of gravity, all of these things, uh, the, the laws of physics, all of these things are always going to work for everyone in every place, for all people, for all time, okay? Then you go to the laws of the land, the laws of the land. When we talk about the laws of the land, they change from location, based on location, right? Uh, um, uh, it's, it's, um, you, you live in India, there are certain laws. And you go to the Middle East, there are certain laws. You go to Africa, there are certain laws. You go to the U.S., there are certain laws. Just because something is legal in one country does not mean it will be legal in another country. Just because it's legal in one state does not mean it will be legal in uh, other states or all other uh, places. So it's, it's the laws of the land. For example, drivers, uh, um, uh, when you can get your driver's license. Some, uh, there are certain places in the world where you can get your driver's license at 16. Certain places, 18. Certain places, 21. When you can uh, 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 buy or consume alcohol, it changes from place to place. Okay, what is legal? Certain drugs are legal in certain places, certain places not legal at all. You'll go to jail for having the same thing, but just because you change location, immediately the law goes into effect, all right? So the, these are the laws of the land. Now then you have spiritual laws. Spiritual laws. Now spiritual laws are true in every dispensation for all people. They're true in every dispensation. So it doesn't matter if you were living in the time of Noah, time of Moses, time of uh, uh, King David, uh, time of the prophets, time of uh, uh, um, um, uh, Jesus. It, doesn't, it has no bearing. They're spiritual laws, and they're always working. And they don't just work for the Christian. Spiritual laws work for everyone. All right? And then we have... The law of Christ. You can call it the law of love. You can call it the law of faith. You can call it the law of liberty. This is what we're introduced in the new covenant. This is what we're introduced to after the work of Jesus, not before the work of Jesus. After the work of Jesus on the cross. This was not introduced to us just by Jesus coming into this world but paying the price for our sins and then coming back to life after that, this law comes into motion. All right, now, this law of Christ, law of love, law of faith, law of liberty, this put an end to the law that came by Moses. 
This put an end to the law that came by Moses. How did it put an end to it? It put an end to the law that came by Moses because Jesus was the only one who perfectly lived the law. And he perfectly lived the law for whose sake? As a substitute for who? For us. Which means in Christ Jesus you have fulfilled the law. Therefore putting an end to that law. Therefore achieving what you were supposed to achieve through the law. It's game over. See the rich young ruler went all the way to the final level and went back down. Jesus said, I'm not going to stop at the final level. Jesus said, he won the game and he says, I did it for you, so therefore you won the game. Jesus was our substitute. You get that? Jesus was our substitute runner. So, so we just moved. He did the hard work of running back and forth between the wickets, back and forth between the wickets. And guess what? On the scoreboard, it'll put my name as if I ran back and forth between the wickets. Are you understanding that? All right. Now, with all of this, now go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. I said we'll go back to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Some of you might feel like you're going to school or college right now, but uh, this will be helpful. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, knowing this, that the law was not made for the righteous person, but for the lawless, the insubordinate, and for the ungodly, and for sinners. Now, again, how many righteous people do we have in this place now? Right? We're righteous. Why? Not because we're great people. Not because we're born into the right family. Not because we have great education. Not because my heart is so pure. Not because I do everything right. Not because I never had a bad uh, uh, expression on my face. Or not because I never had a bad thought in my mind. I'm righteous because of Jesus. Full stop. It's not Jesus plus my good nature. No, 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 no. It's just Jesus. That's it. Okay? Now, here he is saying, now we know that the law was not made for the righteous person. So again, I started off by saying, what law? What law was not made for the righteous person? Are, is he talking about the laws of nature? No. Can't be. Why? Because we're still living in the, uh, 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 under the influence of the laws of nature. Is it the laws of the land? Absolutely not. You're still going to go to jail if you do something illegal. You can't say, Christ redeemed me. Christ re yes, Christ redeemed you. And you can sit in jail and think all day long about how Christ redeemed you. Okay? So what law are we talking about? I want to submit to you that he's not just talking about the law of Moses here, but I want to submit to you that he's actually talking about the law of God. He's actually talking about the law of God. Remember I said, Paul said he is not under the law of God. But he said, but I'm always conscious about the law of God. He's conscious about the law of God. Just like Joseph was not under the Mosaic law. But then instinctively he said, wait, I, she's somebody else's wife. She can be really beautiful. She can be the, the, the one that every, she's on, 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 on the newspaper headlines every day in Egypt. 
She has the most number of followers on Instagram. Everyone thinks she's the most beautiful girl in Egypt. But guess what? She's not mine. And guess what? I cannot, do, even though I've got the opportunity, even though there is no law written anywhere, I can't do this against God. I can't do this against God. So now I want to submit to you that this law that he's talking about is actually about the law of God. Not the law of Moses, but the law of God which is included in the law of Moses. Here's what I want you to understand. The, the Bible says uh, uh, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 and 2, it says, there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, when, when he says, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, another way of thinking about it is the law of Christ. For the law of Christ, what did it do to you, Paul? For the law of Christ has made me free from something. Free from what? He says, free from the law of sin and death. Now, now, now get, get this. this needs to, your eyes need to be open to this. How did the law of sin and death come into effect? It came by the law of God. Okay? If you remove the law of God, there is no sin and death. Okay? So, for example, because the law of, because the, uh, the law of God was written on the heart of Joseph, he said, I can't sin against God. Because that was there, he said, this is sin. But now Paul is saying, because of the law of Christ, he says, I'm free from the law of sin and death. Which means he's now saying, I'm also free from the law of God. I'm free from the law of God. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Re remember, once God made Adam and Eve, we were made in the image and likeness of God, living with God, and living as God. Living as God. Remember, I'm, I'm not saying you are gods, like, like God the Father is God. But also remember, you are His children. The Bible says every seed produces after its own kind. So you've got to understand, you, on the inside, you are of the God kind. You're the God kind. You're, you're not just an ordinary human being. There's no such thing as an ordinary human being. Just like there's no such thing as an ordinary God. Do you know of an ordinary God? And the Bible says you're his children. Where did you come from? I don't have ordinary children. I don't. I don't look at my children and say, mm, average. Do you? Some of you don't have children yet, but one day when you do, are you, do you want to have children saying, mm. we'll do better next time? No. I, I don't have ordinary children. God doesn't look at you and say, mm, okay, ah, nice. Okay, nice. 
Oh, I missed it. Oh, pfft, this entire bunch, I really missed it with these guys. No. We're made in the image and likeness of God. Every seed produces after its own kind. You're made in the image and likeness of God. We messed it up. Jesus comes and says, I'll take care of it. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, now you are a new creation. Made by who? Made by who? By God. Not your work. It's not your work. Now, when you live your life, you live out of that new creation. You don't live like the people of the old covenant. You live as a new creation person. Go, go with me to, uh, uh, um, uh, again, Romans chapter 8 and verse Two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me from the law of sin and death. Now, what does that mean? So, pastor, if I'm free from the law of sin and death, that means there's no concept of wrong or, or there's no concept of me sinning so I can do whatever I want. No, 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 no. It is still wrong to lie, cheat, steal, etc. But here's the point. But now your sin does not void the covenant that God has with you. Your, your mistake or your sin, actually don't use the word mistake, your sin. Your sin does not void the covenant that God has with you. See, every single time people did not do certain things, that, that it was out of the fear that something would not be right with God. And it was done out of the fear of punishment. It was done out of the fear of missing out on something that I can receive from God. But Paul says, now it is no longer out of the fear of that punishment. He says, we st I still live like I follow the law of God. But not because I'm subject to it. It's not because I'm under it. He says, but because I choose to walk in it. Why? Because my nature has been changed. See, Every single time we think about the law, we always think, with the law comes the fear of punishment. What happens if I break it? What happens if I break it? Now, and there has never been a law successful to change somebody's actions. Think, you know, everyone's have, uh, every one of us, even if we did not live in the Middle East, have learned uh, uh, through news and other means of how certain laws are really strict in the Middle East. Right? You've heard stories about, you know, they'll chop your hands off if you steal and things like that. Do you know chopping hands off has never stopped people stealing in the Middle East? It hasn't. People know that you will go to jail for certain things. Nobody gets up in the morning and say, today is the day I want to go to jail. <laughs> Nobody says that. And yet, people do things that they will get them in jail. The fear of punishment never stopped anyone. It can delay certain things, maybe. You knew cheating on your exam when you were in school, and if you're caught by the invigilator, or if you're caught by your teacher, you know you're going to fail. And it didn't stop some of you. <laughs> Did it anyway. 
I don't care, I'll take the risk. Right? It didn't stop. Well, last week we saw about the woman with the issue of blood. Oh, sorry, the, the, the woman caught in adultery. She lived under the law. The punishment was, you'll be stoned. The actual, if you read it, uh, uh, actually in the book of Deuteronomy, it was not just the woman who was supposed to be stoned, even the man was supposed to be stoned. It didn't stop both of them. Both of them knew the law. And even though the fear of the law was present, that you, hey, you, man, listen, if you go out with her, if somebody sees you going together, you know the end result is going to be you being stoned to death. And they knew it, and they said, we'll take our chances. We'll take our chances. For a few minutes of pleasure, we'll take our chances. Why? The problem is the nature on the inside. The problem is the nature on the inside. And so now Paul says, I am a free man. And yet, even though I'm a, go, go back to that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, even though I'm a free man, in verse 21, he says, but I do not ignore the law of God and I obey the law of Christ. I don't ignore the law of God and I obey the law of Christ. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 2. Or before we go there, let me also address this very quickly. So even when we hear this, sometimes we, we, we tend to believe, okay, so, so uh, uh, because I don't have to, uh, I'm not under the law and I'm, don't, I'm not living under uh, uh, any of these things, so that means I don't need to give to the church. I don't need to uh, 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 love uh, people. I don't need to be generous. No, 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 no. Remember, I said, what, what, what do spiritual laws do? The spiritual laws always operate in every dispensation for everyone. So just because you are living under the new covenant does not mean the, uh, the, the spiritual law stopped working. The spiritual laws still are in motion. The book of Proverbs, for example, uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 25 says, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The generous soul will be made rich. Meaning, if you do not so, if you do not give generously, if you are not a person who is thinking about other people, if you're not a person who is thinking about the vision and the mission and the call of God upon your life in the local church in, 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 in advancing the kingdom of God, guess what? You're going to be a stingy person. And that law will still be in motion. He says the generous soul will be made rich. So in other words, the, the stingy soul will be made what? Poor. Those laws are still in motion. You can't stop that. See, the law of uh, 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 words, the laws of confession, they're always going to be in motion. They're always going to be in motion. You speaking the word of God over your life, it's always going to be in motion. The law of generosity will always be in motion. The law of seed time and harvest, for example, will always be in motion. Doesn't matter what dispensation you're dealing with. The laws of servanthood, living a life of service and serving other people, serving the members of your family, serving the local church, serving the people that you live with and the community that you are in. All of those things are always going to be in motion. Right now, 1 John chapter 2. 
1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you that you will not sin. Again, I just want to hammer this point home before we are done today. Just because we're free from the law does not mean it is God's intent or purpose for your life to be entangled in sin. Here he makes it very clear. He says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. There's no confusion about that. He then says, but if anyone does sin, if you do, if you mess up in your life, what's going to happen? We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the only, the one who is truly righteous. The one that is truly righteous. It is absolutely God's will that you do not sin. However, if and when you do sin, it does not void the covenant that God has with you. It does not void the covenant that God has with you. We have uh, and does not change your identity in God. It does not change your identity in God. So how do I live my life? Remember what Paul was talking to Timothy about. First Peter chapter, first Timothy chapter one. He says at the end of the day, it comes down to you living the life of love and faith. Living a life of love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He says it comes down to loving God and loving people. If you do this, then he says all the law is established on those two things. And then he says, remember, in order to live this life, you've got to live by faith. Why? Because the just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith faith. So at the end of the day for the Christian, it's not about being bogged down by what is sinful and what isn't. It's not about being bogged down by, you know, did I cross the line or did I not? And if I cross the line, is God upset with me? Did I, you know, I, you know, I, I looked at that person angrily and that's why I got this uh, small dent on my car. No, like, I'm, I'm, see, when, when you're constantly living under the the fear of punishment and that God is looking at your every move. Oh, oh, wrong. Slap. Oh, second time. Don't do it again. And that's how we think. And that's how we operate. And therefore, our mindset is as soon as something goes wrong in our life, immediately the question is, wait, wait, wait where did I sin? Why, why did God do this to me? Where did I mess things up? And I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with you messing up and God punishing you. I'm telling you that there's a devil out there to steal, kill and destroy your life. And that's why bad things do still happen. But I want you to know it is not because God is punishing you. It's not because you messed up and now you are paying for the penalty of messing up. This is not some cosmic or divine judgment that is happening upon your life. I want you to understand and I want you to know bad things still happen in our lives. 
stupid things still happen because sometimes we're just stupid. Is that simple? Sometimes we just make dumb decisions in our life. And because we make dumb decisions, guess what? We face dumb consequences. And sometimes it's not because you made a dumb decision. Sometimes you're doing things right and the devil just doesn't like it. He just doesn't like it. And because he just doesn't like it, he'll try to mess things up. And in that moment, here, here's my point. In that moment, don't go into introspection of, I missed it, God, I missed it, God, I, no, 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 no. In that moment, know that your covenant is still intact with God. In that moment, remember your identity in God. Remember you're still righteous before God. Because your, your dumb decision, stupid decision does not make you unrighteous. Because it was not your great decision that made you righteous in the first place. So you don't live with this concept of good, I get something good. Oh, I did something bad. Oh, something's going to come strike me down from heaven. No, no, no. Oh, you lost your job? Okay, you lost your job. But don't quickly equate that to, oh man, see, I, I, I took things too easy and uh, I started believing that I'm not under the law and I took things easy and see, now I lost my job. No, no, no. This has nothing to do with that. Yes, you lost your job. It doesn't void your covenant with God. You lost your job. You may no longer be a whatever designation you had in that company, but guess what? Your designation in the kingdom of God and the family of God is still that you are the righteousness of God. It doesn't void that covenant. So what happens? We live from this understanding that God has rescued me. That God has given me eternal life. That's why we don't attain eternal life. We don't achieve eternal life. We receive eternal life. Why? That's why the Bible says the eternal life is a gift. You don't earn gifts. You don't lose gifts. You receive gifts. And he says, now receive that. Believe that. Believe that I've changed you from the inside. That's why the, the Christian life, the, you know, you, you may have heard the statement, the Christian life is not a hard life. The Christian life is an impossible life. You can't live the Christian life. Not on your own you can't. You can't. Stop trying. Pastor, are you telling us to be unchristians? No, 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 no. Listen. Stop trying in your own strength. Stop trying in your own effort. Because as long as you keep trying, you're going to mess up. You're going to see things you shouldn't see. You're going to say things you shouldn't say. You're going to have thoughts you shouldn't have. You're going to mess up. So what do I do? You surrender. You surrender. You say, not going to happen. I need grace. I need grace. I need the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God 
on my life. I need it. There's no other way for this to work. I need the grace of God. And when you come to that point where you say, I need the grace of God, God says, got it. I have a lot of grace for you. I'll make you a new creation. Something that you cannot do on your own in a million years. I'll do that for you in an instant. In an instant, you'll be made a new creation. He says, all things have passed through. All things have become new. And now you live this new life by the working of the Holy Spirit on the inside. Well, why do, why, why, why do you want to come to church? Man, I just want to come to church. Not because I'm afraid I'll lose my job. Why do you want to read the Bible? I don't know. Something is at work on the inside. I just need the word. Why do you think you'll fail your exam? No, no. Has nothing to do with that. Has nothing to do with that. I can read the Bible all day long and if I don't study, I might still fail. All right? Has nothing to do with that. But I still read the word. Why? I really don't know. Something's happening on the inside. It's on the inside. You, you, you can't live this life. Stop trying. I know this is for somebody. Stop trying. Stop trying. Surrender. Surrender to God. He'll do the work from the inside out. It'll happen by His grace working on the inside. Why do you give so much money to church? I don't know. I mean, I know, but I didn't think this would happen either. I had other plans. I was thinking about buying that car. I was thinking about set, get, getting my retirement set. I was thinking about this for my kids, that for my spouse, this for my, our future. I, I don't know, but I know. Why give? Why do you serve so much? I don't know, but I know why I serve. Oh, you do that because you, 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 you want that job and you think, no, no, no. It's not for the job. Oh, so that you'll get the right spouse to get married to? Mm -mm. Has nothing to do with the right spouse. Why do you do it? It's the work of God. It's the work of God. It's not by my effort. It's not by my strength. It's not by my ability. It's but by the grace of God. Amen.